Guys, SAS Open is our next big event in New York City, March 16th and 17th. We'll have a thousand SAS leaders all sharing how they built their companies. Our keynotes are Henry Shuck, Marie Martins from Tally.SAO, Serbi from Symbol, Christopher of DocHub, who had a big exit. Again, hundreds of speakers, a thousand plus attendees. And we've got folks bringing their entire executive teams because we have stages for founders heads of product, head of finance and BD, CMOs and CROs, and then a people in HR stage. It's going to be special. Prices are increasing every week, so you don't want to wait. Go to sasopen.com right now to see what the ticket price is and lock in your spot today. Again, that's sasopen.com, March 16th and 17th in New York City. Tickets are almost sold out. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Forecaster.co helping CEOs and CFOs do their financial planning. They're doing $120,000 a month today in revenue, up from $30,000 a month just a year ago. They've raised $5 million to date, targeting another $8 million round right now. Their last round valuation was a $10 million valuation at about 27x multiple. We'll see what happens now. They've gotten some good interest inbound already, serving 550 customers that pay on average $218 per month. Again, forecaster.co. Hey, folks, my guest today is Logan Burchett. He's from Nicholasville, Kentucky, and currently the founder and COO of a company called Forecaster.co. It's an online software that helps founders forecast revenue, predict runway, and understand their numbers and get funded. His co-founder... And he came up with the idea back in 2018, and they've since grown to a wide user base, taking the company through prestigious Techstars Accelerator, uh, raised $5 million in venture capital, and then grew the team to over 25 folks. All right, Logan, you ready to take us to the top? I am ready, Nathan. Happy to be here. All right. Yeah, this is a hot space. I mean, you saw companies like Pry and Finmark raise VC and you know that they exited, but it was pretty quick. And you sort of wonder, well, wait a second, can you actually build a big software company in this sort of forecasting space? Yeah, it's a really great question. And it is pretty wild to see how how hot this space is. I mean, if you go back, you know, to the pre-Carta days, you know, Carta got really, really big back around like 20. 20- 18. And of course, now it's a $7 billion company. So I think what happened was you saw a lot of these people that kind of mentally connected the dots that, hey, if this can be done in a cap table, you know, this, if you can basically software a a cap table, then a financial model kind of sits adjacent to that. So you're seeing a lot of people kind of coming out of the woodwork, tackling the space. Uh, But to your point, it is, is quite a bit more complex than a cap table management software, whenever you really get into it. Um, And I think that what you're seeing is, there are a lot of people that are tackling the space. You know, Pry and Finmark both had really, really solid exits for where they were, you know, in terms of revenue and customers. They were both relatively early, but they exited for, for a decent amount. We, of course, know that Pry exited for 90 million. We haven't yet found out publicly what, what Finmark exited for, but you know, well, but and the Pry 90 million though, how is that split up between cash yeah. and stock? That's a great question. And and like honestly, like we don't 100 percent know the answer to that. If I had to guess, I would say it was pretty heavy stock. Um, but you know, I'd, either way, I mean, I know that they weren't really generating a ton of revenue. Um, but I but either way, I mean, I think that 
the space is really, really interesting just because it's been dominated by Excel. 98% of financial models are built in Excel. To your point, the challenge is maintaining the flexibility that Excel has, but also creating a standardized product that then you can integrate with and things like that. We've got about 550 customers right now doing about 1.4 million in revenue. Um, and we're you, seeing... You, you must listen to this show. You you give me the numbers. I don't even have to ask. That's great. Oh, no. We, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you everything. We're so transparent. Like, I mean, we, we, we share our financial model with people. That's just kind of the company that we are. So we don't mind. We don't mind sharing stats. We don't mind any of that. Uh, but and, and so if you're doing like 1.1 today or about 90,000 bucks a month, where were you exactly one year ago? Do you remember? So we were, so 1.4 today, we were doing about just shy of 30,000 a month that we occurring revenue about a year ago. Uh, okay, so we're, cool. we're probably like high twenties. Now we're at about 120 a monthly mm-hmm. recurring revenue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah there's, that's a lot, great. there's a that's lot great. of product to build in the space for sure. And moving upstream is definitely kind of like the direction that we're going and building out those, those broader feature sets for folks. So. So those 550 customers say, what are they paying you per month on average? Yeah, so we only do annual subscriptions. Uh, and it's and it's an interesting question because historically, it was a one-size-fits-all. We're still technically in beta. If you go on our website, you'll see a beta tag. We're going to be moving that off. It's more of a marketing ploy at this point. But for the longest time, people just paid us a standard $2,000 a year. And then we would give them a white glove onboarding because they got us paid back. Like we got paid on the front end. We could afford to put some analyst hours behind the account, get them set up, get them trained, all of that. Here in November, we really started rolling out our variable pricing model, which similar to Pry, this is inspired by Pry, uh, we're going to be pricing our annual contracts based off of the monthly expenses of the customer. So the idea there being that larger customers, we can afford to spend more time with, we can get them set up, we can train them, make sure that they get more success out of the platform as much as we can get, um, and then we'll charge them more for that. So uh, to, to directly answer your question, of the 550, if you just do a straight up blended average today, then it's about $1,400 uh, if you like discount it per year, because uh, we do some discounting for partners and things like that. That's slowly creeping up since November, since we started releasing this. Wait, what do you mean by that? If, if I take 120000 bucks a month or 1.4 million AR divided by a 550, it's about $2,500 per customer per year on average. Yeah. Okay. So it's... Um, I guess uh, prior to November, it was kind of like roughly about that, like 1500, 14, 1500. Oh, I see. So, like, our highest paid customer right now pays us about $15,000 per year. Uh, but prior to that, they were paid, the highest paid customer paid us $2,000 per year. It was just because we hadn't really focused on our pricing model up until that point. So, what is what, something, obviously, don't name the customer, but someone paying you $15,000 per year, how much total expenses do they probably have? Yeah, so it's usually so if you're at that fifteen thousand dollar tier, then you've got over five hundred thousand dollars a monthly expenses. Okay, interesting, interesting. So it's sort of like, what is that like ten? It's like fifteen, twenty, twenty percent or something like that. Twenty percent or no? What is that? Two percent, two percent of monthly expenses. Yeah, something like that. We we, ne- we the reason one of the main reasons that we wanted to kind of like price along the expense curve is that we never wanted to be like an overly significant portion of your overall expenses. It was kind of our idea. Uh, yeah, so that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Yep. Yeah. So you're paying. Sorry, no. It's it's actually it's three percent. So like, if you're paying fifteen grand a year and you're doing five hundred k a month in uh, in expenses, that's like it's like a that's almost three percent. That's super cheap, right? Yeah. Um, very, very cheap. Yeah. What and so what? Am, I always like it when someone takes something from that they saw a competitor doing that they liked and they're implementing it themselves. A lot of people their egos are too big to copy, which but like I think that's ridiculous. So what? What did? How did you know that it was working for Pry? How did you know it was a good idea to copy? Yeah. So uh, what's funny is we didn't, right? We saw that they were doing that. Obviously, we saw that they had uh, 
some success in, in their exit, depending on kind of like what 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 it ended up looking like. But what we did was we really liked the idea of an expense-based pricing for obvious reasons. It's kind of a good way to price along the demand curve. So once we decided that this was something that we wanted to look into, we just went back and just started doing like plain customer discovery. We went back to our old customers, our beta customers, and we said, hey, listen, you know, if we were to price in this way and if we were to kind of reassess your price every single year and we did it with this fashion, how would that make you feel? What would you think? Would that turn you off? Would you be okay with that? Assuming that we're adding more value as you're getting bigger as well. We're not just charging you the same for or charging you more for the literally same thing. Uh, and they all were like, yeah, I mean, I think that that's totally reasonable. It seems like a fair way to price. Never going to be too big of an expense if you do it this way. And that's what that's whenever we we went forward with it. it was after How that. do you do that, though? Like, let's say my I'm with Forecaster and we, you and I are negotiating my new plan for the next 12 months. Are you looking at my monthly expenses from last month being 500K? Or are you saying, Nathan, what do you think your expenses are going to be 12 months from now? Yeah, we do it. We do it retroactively. So we look at your your like really like the average of the last three months worth of expenses in order to try to like, um, you know, deal with seasonality if you have like a big expense month or something like that. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I said that we had that completely nailed down because we just rolled this out in November. So that hasn't happened yet. So like in theory, that's how it would work. And um, we hope that we hope that it works, you know, without yeah. it. But uh, but that's that's the idea. Anyway, we have so prepped everybody for that conversation on the on the front end. Though. Yeah. Walk me through. You've mentioned put analysts on the account a couple of times. What does your team look like today? Let's just start off with engine. How many are only writing code on engineers? Yeah. So it's about, so it's, it's pretty even, right? So we have 33 employees right now. So you could pretty much split it evenly between growth, financial analysts and development. Like that's really kind of like, it's almost like a third, a third, a third. Um, and so what you just zoned in on uh, is the what we call our white glove onboarding. So it's, I think, one of the key differentiators for us in the space. Like we, I was a fractional CFO for a number of years, as was my co-founder, Steven. And we just knew that if you plop somebody in kind of like a deeper, like financial analysis software, they're going to fall flat on their face. It's, it's kind of like a specialized business function. So having a seed stage founder jump in and just say, here's the keys, go ahead, have fun. That wasn't going to work out too well. Um, so what we do instead was we only do annual contracts. We pair them up with a financial analyst, a finance expert, specifically for venture finance. Their job is to help them build the model, use the data that they have, help inform the forecast, train them on how to use the forecast. And then we check in with them sporadically, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, it's almost like a, um, a, I don't like to use this word, but it's kind of like a blend of like SaaS and services in a way. Now, the idea is most of the services component is done on the front end with an onboarding, and then you kind of fade off kind of once the customer has been trained up. But and that's so who are like, where do you find these these analysts? You know, for example, I mean, Stripe and some other, even SPV sometimes like they're they're folks and they're new, doing new deals with SaaS companies. They actually have like a, a massive team in India that does a bunch of like the literally P, cleaning the P&L, the balance sheet, etc. Who like who are some of these folks that you put in your financial analyst category? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So uh, we everybody here's that's an analyst is based in the US, except for uh, one of our analysts whose name is Phoebe, who is based over in the UK. Um, I mean, we a lot of them are previous founders, right? We just hired, uh, we have, I think, three analysts that were founders before they joined Forecaster as financial analysts. And they were like kind of financy founders. We have some folks that were like accountants beforehand, but like all of these people are kind of more financial inclined mathy people that are really, really interested in startups. 
Um, and so they, so, you know, they wanted to kind of jump on board on, on us while we're kind of like near the ground. So, so what is he like Sandeep? He's based in Austin. You just yeah, hired him. This right. was like a month ago. It says he's starting. It looks like you found him through LinkedIn and he's got a lot of experience at the new chip accelerator before this, but like, what is his day-to-day at forecaster look like? Yeah. So this is his second day. So right now his day-to-day is just getting onboarded. But in <laughs> his day-to-day, the way that we kind of think about it is, is it's going to be basically split almost 50-50 of going into Forecaster and helping our clients like actually build out their financial models in Forecaster and getting on calls with them just to kind of... Explain. What does that mean though? Is it is he saying like, hey, here's how to connect your QuickBooks so we can start manipulating your data? Or is it like upload the CSV folder to populate your charts? Yeah, it's 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 more just like straight up bottoms of financial modeling. So it'd be like, hey, let's go in, let's connect your QuickBooks account. We'll show you how to do that. But then, oh, I see you have these revenue categories in QuickBooks. Let's go to the revenue stream section of Forecaster, build this out, make sure it has all of your important metrics in there, make sure that we can craft a story that makes sense to investors, lenders, what have you. That's a, So that's is he the one where in QuickBooks, the company has labeled a bunch of these weird things and you're like, no, in Forecaster, this is actually COGS and this should be Correct. team. He's helping like sync the two. 100%. Yeah. So it's basically just like, I mean, at the end of the day, we want to build a forecast that our customers can understand and use and is actually valuable. So that's why we go through and a lot of times we'll get people that say, hey, my QuickBooks is a mess, like my accounting, like I don't really know. That's okay. Sandeep would be the type of person that would go in, say, well, let's set up your forecast where it makes sense. We'll map it back to your QuickBooks, but this can be your source of truth now. And then inform them on how to use it, plan for cash, fundraising, all of that stuff. Really interesting. Speaking of fundraising, so have you guys bootstrapped or well, we know you raised because you said it in the bio, but walk us through the rounds. When was the seed but pre-seed? Oh so we're we're deep in the throes of it right now, Nathan. So we're we're in the middle of a series A at the moment. So we've raised in total about five million dollars, kind of as you alluded to in the bio. We're in the process of raising eight million more. So we actually just kicked this off on the 17th. My co-founder Steven is actually out in San Francisco right now, and he's just kind of back-to-back meetings. Uh, but we raised a pre-seed round on a convertible note. Then we raised a seed round, which is led by Resolute Ventures out of San Francisco. And now we're in the middle of our Series A round, $8 million Series A round. When was the seed round? What year? That was February of 2021 was whenever we actually got the cash closed. And we kicked it off basically Jan 1 of that of that. Okay, year. so pre, pre-seed there. And how much did you raise there? In the pre-seed we raised, we oversubscribed a $600,000 round up to seven fifty. dollars At the seed round, we raised $2.5 million. And then in between there, we had some like little like bridge rounds. And when you add it all up, it's around $5 million. And, and that, sorry, that pre-seed round of 600K, that was, you said at a 7.5 million cap? No, that was on a convertible note. Uh, and there were two caps because one of them was a Techstars cap. And then the other one was just the Louisville, Kentucky, teeny tiny, you know, small town investor cap of like, I think, I think it was like two and a half. It might've been $3 million or something like that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And then the seed, most people are selling 10 to 15% of the company in the seed round. Are you sort of in that same range? It, yeah, we we did, it was at a $10 million post. So it was okay. around 10%. Yep. yep. Yeah, that's not bad at all. And then what are you targeting with 8 million? What would you like to see in terms of post-money valuation? Uh, hesit- I, I hesitate to honestly say this just because we're big proponents of just like letting the market determine evaluation. But what I will say, which I think is a pretty safe answer is like, we're raising $8 million. So if you're trying to sell roughly, if you're trying to keep it in that 20%, that'd be a $40 million post. So 32, three, that's kind of what we're hoping for. Uh, But we'll see. We'll see what the market says. What is the market? I mean, everyone's saying right now you can't raise money, right? What are you hearing? I mean, are you, do you have a term sheet yet? No, we don't have a term sheet, but we're, we're on our first round of like second meetings. There's definitely interest. You can definitely raise money right now. And this is kind of like what we've seen. Obviously we talked to a lot of VCs gearing up for the series A. 
basically what we've heard is that yes, capital is still being deployed. Yes, you can still get a round done. What you're probably going to see is valuations kind of squeezing. Like you're not, it's not going to be 2019, you know, where you have companies with like no revenue that are raising, you know, at a I mean, 50. 40 posts though would still put you at like a 28, 29x multiple at oh, yeah. your current 1.4. That's still pretty healthy. Oh, big time, big time. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like I'd be very happy with that with that valuation if we can get it. Um, I think I think in like 2019, you might have seen an even higher valuation just because the markets were going going a little bananas. Um, but yeah. but yeah, yeah. I mean, you can still get around that as what what we've been told. And, and so when you email all these VCs in a recessionary period, what's the subject line you use to get them to open and return it? Do you say like net dollar retention?